Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate, and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. To access previous episodes and useful strata tips, go to www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. Welcome. I'm Amanda Farmer and I have with me today Rena Van Alst from Strata Central. Hi, Rena. Hi, Amanda. How are you? I'm doing great. I am looking forward to diving into our wins and challenges as we like to do every couple of weeks. How about you? Yeah, it's the same actually. There's been quite a few um, unusual challenges which I'm looking forward to sharing with you actually. Oh, okay. Let's jump in. Hit me with your challenge. Yeah, this is, we took over a building about a month ago and the the first thing that happened actually, I think on the day we actually were receiving the books and records was that there was an email sent to us, a lawyer's letter, basically suing the owners corporation for not attending to the repair and maintenance of common property being within that lawyer's lot. Right. And at first it was unusual because I wasn't really sure, man, if that person was a lawyer acting on behalf of their client or if it was actually the lawyer himself. So I was told by the Strata Committee that he actually is a lawyer and he uses his own letterhead to um, communicate, which is all fine. Anyway, so after some time, we tried to email the insurance broker straight away. We had just difficulty just trying to get the attachments through, but that was only the minor part of it. So when we finally were able to email the claim in various numbers of emails, um, the claims manager wrote to me and said to me, oh, well, which... Is it? Is it a office bearer's claim or is it a public liability claim? And I'm thinking, well, that's not for me to, to say. My view is just to send you the um, claim. You know, as a broker, you have the policy wording for the particular policy that's held by the Ernest Corporation, and it's for you to tell me. And she said, no, you've got to tell me. It's like, well, anyway, so I went back to the Strata Committee who had already had engaged a lawyer just prior to our carriage of the Strata scheme. And he said to me, oh, well, can you provide me with the certificate of currency and the policy wording, which we did. And they said, oh, there's obviously going to be a fee associated with this part of the advice and it's going to be $1,000. And I'm thinking mm. that's fair and reasonable. Mm. But, you know, why is the Ernst Corporation having to pay when I believe that there's the duty of having a broker where the broker is the intermediary between the insurer and the Ernst Corporation and is there to give advice and to fight on behalf of the Ernst Corporation in respect of advising, you know, in the first instance, you know, do you have a claim? Mm. Under what policy should the claim be submitted under? So I must say, like, I've dealt with some quite reputable insurance brokers in my time as, as a managing agent. And sometimes when you take on new schemes, you obviously inherit whatever broker they're currently with. But I must say, in all the years that I have been in Strata, which is nearly 20 now, I have never had someone tell me to tell them what policy I should be claiming against. Yes. How frustrating. So just to clarify for our listeners who might not be across this, whilst the Owners Corporation will have a policy of insurance, there'll be a number of different categories under which you might be indemnified and that you can claim under. For example, you've got your building insurance, you've then got your office bearers liability, then your public liability, and maybe even your legal defence coverage. So if you are being sued by a lot owner, you might be able to claim under that legal defense category. But I agree with you, Rena. it should be the broker who can direct you to the correct part of the policy and submit the right claim to the insurer. Yeah. And for any of us who are familiar with these PDS, 
they're they're quite lengthy in volume and they're quite you know in a sense they're they're a legal document and yep. really um, you rely on the expertise of, of insurance brokers who are also mind you paid a commission when they procure your insurance for a strata scheme the strata managing agent may get a commission if they're a distributor or an authorised representative. The broker also gets a commission and a fee for putting the insurance through. So it's not as if, you know, they're not being remunerated for their expertise. So, yeah, it's an interesting one and I'd be interested to see if any of our listeners, Amanda, whether they're managing agents or lot owners, whether they had this happen to them and if they have, what did they end up doing? Because we don't want to, as I said, I don't believe the owners corporation should spend money finding out. And that's why I think, as an agent, I think it's important to use a broker because a broker is there to give you the advice yes. so that you can help your, your owners' corporations and your committees as much as you can. Mm. Well, this building might be using a different broker when the renewal comes around. Yeah, they've already intimated that. So, mm. Okay. Yeah, we've talked about it a few times on the podcast, the role of brokers, how we do see that part of our sector changing with a lot more competition in the area. We've uh, chatted to a couple of brokers on the podcast and definitely uh, the good brokers, I think, see themselves in that advisory role, recognize that their client is the owner's corporation. It is not the insurer. And you are there to assist, advise where appropriate and uh, yeah, do a good job. And if they're not, then uh, the buildings will vote with their feet. Exactly. All right. I'll move into my challenge for this week, if that's okay. I want to have a chat about the notice period for general meetings. Now in New South Wales, many of you will know that we need to give seven days notice before we hold our general meeting. That means we've got to be sending out our agendas, letting the owners have them for seven days, and then we hold the meeting. Now our legislation doesn't say business days, doesn't say clear days. It simply says seven days notice. And that is in schedule one to our Strata Schemes Management Act. It's in clause seven of schedule one, written notice of a meeting must at least seven days before the meeting be given to each owner. Now, I was chatting to a strata manager very recently who said to me that they were going to send the general meeting notice out on a Monday and then they were holding the general meeting the following Monday. And I said, (laughs) and I said, hmm, is that seven days notice? And the strata manager said, yes, I'm sending it by email. So they will get the notice today being Monday and I will hold the meeting the following Monday. And I said, oh, I think you're pretty close there, but Mm. I think you're one day short because when we're calculating this seven days notice, we don't count the date we're sending the notice and we don't count the day of the meeting. Mm. Now, this strata manager didn't agree with me, so I ended up looking up the law and I said, look, it's not in Schedule 1 that we don't count the day of sending the notice or the day of the meeting. Where it is is in the Interpretation Act, the New South Wales Interpretation Act, Section 36, where we have a piece of legislation that might not be clear about how we calculate time, we look to Section 36 of the Interpretation Act and that tells us that if a piece of legislation sets out a time period, you don't count the actual event that the time period is identifying. So, for example, we've got two events happening. We've got the sending of the notice 
and we've got the date of the meeting. Section 36 says you calculate your time period exclusive of those events. So that's how we come up with what we call, and Rena, you let me know if you use the same terminology, seven clear days. Yes. Which reminds exactly right, us, Amanda. yeah, not to count the day of sending or the day of the meeting. Have you ever come across this confusion, Rena? Um, yes, quite commonly, actually, Amanda. And um, I remember having a training session in my previous employment where I actually had a case where someone had actually gone to the tribunal and submitted an application against the owners' corporation for that very strict reason that you just mentioned about seven clear days. And in the case of this particular owners' corporation, it was deemed that they were one day short. And this was actually by postage. So it wasn't even by email. So it was by postage where there's actually, it's even more onerous with postage. So for managers, most managers should be aware that last year, I think it was in December, the Interpretations Act actually was amended because the postage is now delayed where you don't have the next day delivery as you did before with Australia Post because those people are now using post as a medium of, of sending documents. Most people use email or other forms. So that actually was increased last year. So now it becomes an extra, I think it was an extra three or four days. I yeah. So it used to be four working days yep. and then your notice is deemed delivered in the post. It's now seven working days. Yeah. Which an is extra huge. three days. Sorry, Amanda. Yep. Yeah. And therefore now when you calculate that, you also have to take into account the weekends because you can't, there's no postage on weekends. So, you know, it's now quite, I think it's, it works out to be now, I think 17 days between when you issue the agenda and the date of the meeting. So mm. I think there are cases if someone has an issue with it, any motion that you've submitted and if they go to the tribunal, that meeting in this particular case was overturned because the proper length of notice, which is being the seven clear days, as you've just identified, Amanda, was not issued. Now, sometimes if there are things that come late on agendas that when we've had that, we've had, you know, deadlines to meet, we just send it by express post where we, you know, we have the next day delivery. I mean, that's very, very rare. But for agents, it's really important to make sure, especially if you've got special resolutions or some bylaws or things that, you know, could have an effect in the future. Mm. And I recall even initially when I first started in Strata, there was this um, lawyer who didn't want to pay his levies. And um, I remember that he actually, because every single meeting that was sent, every AGM was not sent with the correct time. He managed to get every single AGM invalidated. Wow. All the levies had to then be restruck again because on that technicality. So for those yeah. of you that want to do some research, there are many cases out there yep. where um, you know one day short is not just a, a simple um, error. Yeah, you don't want to open yourself up to that kind of a challenge. And what I think is happening, Rena, is that with more and more buildings accepting service by email and agendas being sent out by email, some managers might be getting a little bit complacent and thinking, oh, I've got time, I've got time, and then leaving it to the last minute and mm. trying to push that out uh, the week before. But one day certainly does make a difference. And I thought that uh, was a good reminder to bring to the podcast. And one more thing, Amanda, what about when you get bounce backs? Sometimes we, when we send out emails, we get bounce backs, so then we have to then print those up and send them. So if you've, if you've got to the, to the last minute, yep. then you're really, again, pushing it. Yeah, that's right. Um, certainly your email is not deemed received if you get a bounce back, that's for sure. Exactly. Okay, let's jump into your win, Rena. Well, this is another insurance one, actually, which is the reverse of my initial challenge. Oh, good. We've got to balance um, it out. Yeah. So what happened, we actually had, last year you may recall for those people that live in Sydney, there was a huge sort of storm, I think it might have been the 19th, the Thursday before Christmas, you know, there was hailstorms, you know, damage to so many cars and property. And in one of our schemes, they actually have like a sale shade and the insurer declined to have that repaired or fixed. They said that's cloth and 
the insurer blatantly. We said, no, it's been damaged by the hailstorm and they used some sort of wording. Anyway, our fantastic broker was able to negotiate on our behalf and basically, I don't know, look at the wording again and they must have been able to find something where it was proven that it was covered under the policy and it was about $10,000. We're not talking about a small amount of money. Mm. And the insurer said, you know, you're right, this is going to be covered now. But it took us like two months to have this um, argument. Although I suppose I think from your experience, Amanda, <laughs> is that many many claims are going for months, yeah, months, months yeah. and months. So that two months might have been not too bad to wait for a, a favourable outcome. Yeah. Well, congratulations. That's great and good to hear yeah. that you had a good broker there who was able to achieve that for you. Yeah, I was very very lucky. It was I mean, you know, they're very tenacious. Keep working, keep communicating, and also understanding the policy wording. I and mean, this is why yes. people should have a broker because that's really their expertise. Look at the wording, look at the event, and try and see what can be done on behalf of the owners' corporation. Mm, well, that broker may have a new client soon. Mm, <laughs> your yeah, other building. To email me. I can let you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, a few new clients. There you go. <laughs> Okay, well, the win I am bringing it to the table this week is a case. And I wanted to draw everybody's attention to our first collective sale decision in New South Wales. Now, this is a decision made by the Land and Environment Court under our new legislation, which started back in 2016, which allows 75% of owners to decide that they would like to sell the entire building to a developer. And we lawyers have been waiting for some time to see this first decision come out of our Land and Environment Court. And here it is. It came out in early August. I will put a link to the decision in the show notes for this episode. It involves strata plan number 61299. And that scheme is a reasonably large scheme, 159 lots in Sussex Street, Sydney. It's a mixed-use building. It has 119, I think, service departments over about 20 levels with a cafe, a gym uh, and basement car parking. And they decided that they'd like to market the entire building for sale to a developer and they embarked upon that process a couple of years ago and the Land and Environment Court has now ruled that they have done everything correctly in accordance with the procedure set out in the Strata Schemes Development Act and they can proceed to sell. Now, they had to go to the Land and Environment Court because they didn't have agreement from every single owner. That was going to be quite difficult to get. However, interestingly in this case, whilst owners who objected to the sale could have turned up to the Land and Environment Court and argued against the sale. Nobody did. So they didn't have any dissenters. The legislation calls those people dissenters. There were no dissenters in this case, which made it reasonably straightforward from the perspective that there was no argument against the collective sale, but it is a very detailed judgment, as it should be, going through the complex parts of our legislation that set out how this is all to be done and makes very clear that every box needs to be ticked 
The I's dotted, the T's crossed, otherwise these kinds of proposals will fail. So a successful result in that case for that building, they're now going to embark upon the actual sale and then we'll see that go through land registry services and see how that department <laughs> copes with all of that. But it was quite interesting because they had a number of overseas owners. Uh, there was a, a lot of discussion in the case about how service should be affected of the various court documents and other notices that need to go out. So it's a good instructive case for those of us who are in the earlier stages of these collective sales. And I know from uh, in my own office and talking to my colleagues, there's a few of those going around at the moment, soon to be before the court. Mm, Interesting, Amanda. So I think it's a good result um, for that scheme. So, but as you said, quite rightly, if there were any dissenters there, I wonder if that would have been the case, but it's an interesting one to sort of keep your eye out in relation to. Yes, definitely having dissenters involved, arguing against the sale, trying to pick it apart, if you like, or perhaps trying to say that it's not just and equitable, which is a consideration that the court needs to make, that could well have changed the outcome and in different cases, I imagine in the future there will be dissenters and we'll see some different arguments about those points. But uh, it's being hailed as a positive, a good case. We're happy that the first case to be fully considered under this new legislation has resulted in an approval of the collective sale and we'll wait and see what comes out next. Yeah, keep our eyes open, Amanda. <laughs> That's it, all your ears. Keep your ears open. I'll keep you up to date. Eyes and ears, eyes and ears. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Okay, well, I think that's it from me this week. Anything else, Rena? No, all good, Amanda, from my end. Thank you. Excellent. Good to chat with you. I will catch you next time. See you, Amanda. See you then. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today?